welcome to Lighthouse Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson, and once again, I have the pleasure of introducing our Senior Minister, David Thomas. This week, David concludes his sermon series on how to avoid taking hurts and offences within the church. And as always, you can check us out at www.life-house.net. We would love to hear any thoughts or feelings you might have. Thanks for listening. Here's David. I'm going to tell you about something that every single day of your life, it, it, it impacts your life. Every single day. Um, and it cuts across all aspects of your life. So spiritually, there are things that you do spiritually that this principle affects you. It affects you in your relation, relationships. So in, in the area of your social life, what happens is, if you do this thing, both positively and negatively, it affects you. Society, uh, relationships, physical, even in the physical, this thing affects everything. And it's called the law of sowing and reaping. Okay? The law of sowing and reaping. It ama- this, this is a law that absolutely amazes me. Sometimes people come to me for counseling... And you know how, how much of a wonderful and patient and gentle counselor I am. And when I, you know, and they come and they share their heart with me and they share what's happening in their lives. And I'm sitting listening to them and I'm thinking, do you know, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago, you sowed a seed. And that seed's been growing and now you're eating its fruit. And you want me to help you now. And so what I have to do is I have to help you not eat the fruit, but I have to help you deal with the root of that. And what needs to take place is there needs to be an immediate effect now in your life, but also we have to go back to the day you sowed the seed and deal with the root that you sowed way back there. This is the power of the law and sowing and reaping. Remember, it's negative. I'm doing a negative introduction to this law. I'm going to finish off with a positive end to the story at the end of this message and conclude this this series. In this law, in, in the physical universe, we are subject to laws. Okay, now you can argue with me till you're blue in the face and you can tell me I don't see these laws in operation, but let me tell you something Trust me when I say this, there are laws that you don't see that affect your life every single day. Gravity, you know, um, second law of thermodynamics. We're getting older and just spreading. <laughs> it says it doesn't wind up, it winds down. I, I, can, I can attest to it at this bright young age that I am. Within your social environment, this law is in effect. It takes place. Even in marriage. You know, in marriage, when I, when I do premarital counseling, I share with couples and I say, in marriage there are laws. And if you apply good seed to these laws, tomorrow, next week, five years down the line, you are going to reap a good bush, a good crop, healthy fruit. But if you sow bad seed... Man, you're going to be like a man that sits on the corner of a household on the top of his roof with a nagging wife. That's your fault. Bad seed gets sown. 
In the spiritual universe, it is exactly the same. In your spiritual life, it is exactly the same. Every single day, whether you're born again or whether you're not born again, whether you belong to God's kingdom or whether you belong to Satan's kingdom, in the spirit realm, you are sowing seed all the time. Just because you don't believe it might not exist, doesn't believe that it doesn't exist. I saw this brilliant, uh, my cousin sent it to me uh, on Facebook, uh, a brilliant sign that a church put outside its, um, on its signboard. And I, I've got a whole, I'm, I'm developing this whole list because God willing, one day when we get a signboard, these cool signs are going up. Not, 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 <laughs> see, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already been shouted down, but I, I think this is a cool sign. It says this: God doesn't believe in atheists, so they don't exist. Come on, Ben, that's good. <laughs> I mean, an atheist says God doesn't exist. God, I don't believe in God, so He doesn't exist. I think that was good. I thought it was good. Anyway. <laughs> There are laws. And this one particular law is the law of sowing and reaping. The sowing of cause effect. You know, you can see it throughout the word of God. You can even see it taught in false religions. Go to Hinduism or, 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 its, new age, or its Western equivalent of the New Age movement and you see it, the, the, the law of karma. You know, if you act like a pig... In this life, you will be born as a pig in the next life, a real pig. Or, you know, you act like a toad now, you're going to be a toad then. Or you're going to be a flea. Or, you, so there's the law of karma. You sow, what you, what you sow now, you will reap in the next life. That's what they teach you. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Cause, effect. I think, I think this has such... A massive influence on our lives. We don't actually give credit to it. The, the amount of effect that this has in our life. This law of sowing and reaping. And I think we need to give attention to this law of sowing and reaping. Because here's the thing. You control what you sow. And you control what gets sown into your life. Alright? And so what you sow into your life, what you sow into your relationships, what you sow into your spiritual life, you reap the consequences and benefits. And if you allow someone to come in and sow into your life, you reap the consequence of the seed you've allowed to come into your life, positive or negative, because it's a neutral law. It's a principle. It's just out there. Hosea 8, 7. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. I love that. Galatians chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Go home and read the whole, the whole of this chapter and the previous chapter. Go read chapter 5 of Galatians because it's interesting how this chapter, this verse in chapter 6 comes out of the previous chapter where it deals with the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. 
just listen to this here a little bit. The acts of the sinful flesh are obvious. Galatians chapter 5, 19. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envies, drunkenness, orgies, etc., etc., etc. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the, the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then he goes on and says in chapter 6, don't, be, don't fool yourself. Don't try and mislead yourself. What you sow, you will reap. And if you sow immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness. If you sow to this, and if you sow this, this is what you will reap. Now you might sow a seed of discord or jealousy five years ago. You might eat the bush and the fruit in 10 years time but don't deceive yourself don't misguide yourself you will eat it so if you sow a seed of love into a relationship here or selflessness or kindness guarantee it's a law it's a decree of God it's a principle of God just as there's a law of gravity the law of sowing and reaping is in effect in your life you will reap it down the line don't you find it incredible okay here's soapbox time don't you find it incredible how the world deals with bad behavior I, I, I can't say I love these What's it? Australian current affairs. Current affairs in the, uh, today, tonight. I, I can't say I'm a lover of these programs. But this is where you see this law in effect. <laughs> Just switch it on and you will see the law of sowing and reaping in effect there. Because one minute, they, 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 they're crying about how bad society is. You know? Oh, let me give you an example. Oh, look at these young men. They're fighting outside neighborhoods and they, they'll punch someone and they get into a fight and someone will die. And oh, this is terrible. And it is terrible. Let the police go in and deal with it. Please stop. Not politically correct stop. Please stop. Oh, abuse. Oh, terrible. Can't do something like that. Those poor young boys. Yeah, these things are gorillas. They're big. They're aggressive. They're full of drink. They're pounding each other. And you want to send a policeman in there and just say, no, nah, gentlemen, you know. No. And so we label all this bad behavior and we put labels on it and we try and drug it out of the kids. And we sow the seed of bad behavior. We sow the seed of lack of respect of authority. We those sow the seed of not watching for immorality and sexual immorality and, and speaking out against these things. And then we wonder why five years down the line we've got abortion problems. We've got violence problems in society. We've got domestic violence all around the place. The law of sowing and reaping is in effect. Whether you're a saved person, whether you're an unsaved person, no matter where you live, this law is in effect.
If a person sins, if a person does something that's wrong, trying to neutralize that wrong behavior to try and alleviate this law in their life will not help. And this is what society does. It comes in and, and it says, okay, you've done a very, very bad thing. Let's put a label on it and let's let you carry on behaving like that because you've got a label on it. The effect of what that person is sowing in their life and in their family life and in their society and in their job environment just is a law of sowing and reaping. And eventually you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. You sow one seed, you're going to get a bushel of, of, of fruit. What you sow, you reap. Paul writes to Timothy, and, and, and this is what he says, and, and, and it, it blows my mind. Honestly, it really blows my mind where, where people, even especially Christians now, I'm, I'm, I'm really on my soapbox with Christians now on this, on this particular scripture, especially in this, uh, when you look at this particular verse of scripture, how we try and bring in politically correctness, and sweep sin under the rug and not take into account that there's a law of sowing and reaping. If you sow sin, you will start to inherit the law of sin and death in your life. So Paul writes to Timothy and he says, The sins of some men are conspicuous, open, evident. That's amplified version. Going before them to the judgment seat and proclaiming their sentence in advance. But the sins of others appear later, following the offender to the bar of judgment and coming into view there. So also good deeds are evident and conspicuous even when they are not. They cannot remain hidden indefinitely. Law of sowing and reaping. If you sow to sin, if you sow to the flesh, not only are you going to begin to put into effect the law of sowing and reaping, you call upon yourself, you call down upon yourself the law of sin and death. And the only thing that can deal with the law of sin and death on this planet is the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you a story that has happened probably in the last three months. A friend of mine, a fellow pastor, Shared, with, shared this story with me and uh, I'm probably going to get some of the facts wrong because obviously he couldn't share the full story with me but there was this couple in the church in his church woman was very strong in ministry prophetic ministry and all of that kind of stuff but there were issues within that marriage and a young man came into the church and wanted him to be mentored so the pastor began to mentor the young man Unfortunately, this young man didn't have a teachable spirit. That's one of the things I wanted to teach you in this, this aspect. People get hurt if they don't have a teachable spirit. And so without listening to the pastor, and because of the issues in this married couple's life, one thing led to another where they separated from each other, and this young man went and pursued that woman. Came to the pastor and said, God has told me, she is to be my wife. He said to her, he said to this young man, not in a million years did God tell you that. Not now, 
not ever. I give you my warning. Do not get involved with this woman. Unteachable, law of sowing and reaping, bang, left the church, gone. The woman had AIDS. The young man now has AIDS. What you sow, you reap. Now, this young man can come back to the Lord. 1 John 1 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and he will forgive you of all sins. But here's the thing the consequence, the consequence of that immorality, the consequence of that rebellion, the consequence of not listening, he now carries a disease that is incurable. That's the effect, the power of the law of sin and death. That's the negative. Okay, so that's nice and negative now. I've got you nice and. Whew, this is heavy stuff now, all right? Now, let me get to my, my, my last point of my series on how to avoid hurts and offenses in the church. Number 10, do not hinder the church. Okay? Do not stand and hinder the church. Be careful what you sow at this point. In my first sermon on this series... And if you haven't, didn't hear it, you can go and download it on iTunes. I spoke to you briefly in the introduction about what the church is. Now listen carefully. This, is the, this, is, this statement is basically the crux of the matter. Remember the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. The church is not a nationalistic organization. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Okay? If two people gather in the name of the Lord, that is the church. We are the church gathered in this area to worship the Lord. We are part of the body of Christ in this area. This is the church. Now, if the church is aligned to the purpose of God, not even the powers of hell can oppose that church. Did you hear me? If two people, in the name of the Lord, follow the purposes of God, not even Satan himself can stand against that to those two people. Matthew 16. Peter has this divine revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And Jesus answers Peter and he says to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you, Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The powers of hell can array in line upon line, mass upon mass, and they will not be able to overcome those two people in God's purpose. The second part of that verse of scripture is also significant. Jesus says to the church, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, whatever you say, this shall not take place on earth. It will be verified in heaven. It will be implemented in heaven. 
and what you say in the name of Jesus, I say you are free, you are loosed. That will happen in heaven. That are the, those are the power, that, that is the power and authority that the church carries. And so when the church is aligned to the purposes of God, not even hell, in all its fury, can stand against the church. If the church decides to walk, it will walk. The hell will step aside. If the church decides to say, I loose this person in the name of Jesus, that person is loosed. And hell can go to heaven and scream and shout and carry on before God, but it will be implemented in heaven. Now this is where people get hurt. And this is where people get offended. Saul of Tarsus is running around in the religious circles and he's gathering up power and authority to go and destroy the church in Damascus. And so he gets on a little donkey or a horse and he to Damascus. He's got letters from the chief priest. He's going to go and sort the body of Christ out in Damascus. And, and he gathers all the gates of hell and all the powers and authorities, the religious spirit, and he's puffed up in all these little tassels and whatever. And on his way to the city of Damascus, bang! He has an encounter. A light from heaven flashes around him. Acts chapter 9. And he fell to the ground. Then he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you harassing me? Why are you troubling me? Why are you molesting me? So Saul is now, whoa, whoa, what's happening? Who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then notice what Jesus says to Paul. It is dangerous. And it will turn out badly for you to keep kicking against the goad. Opposing the church is dangerous. When the church begins to move out under the purpose of God, because hell cannot attack the church directly, it comes, first of all, into the church and stirs up opposition into the church. And so your first level of attack when a church moves out in a campaign is interpersonal. Flesh. Conflicts, interpersonal conflicts. The flesh working from within, the demonic forces from without, side. Okay, now I'm going to look at a specific form of an, of an attack, just to give you an example. We're looking at a counterattack when the church walks out into a campaign, when a church moves out to do God's purpose. Proverbs chapter 6. Six things the Lord hates. Wow. Okay, so this, this goes in the face of all those politically correct or religiously correct people that all walk around, yeah, you know, God is a God of love. Yes, He is pure love. But there are certain things that He absolutely hates. And the Bible says there are six of them. Seven are an abomination to Him. Here they are. A proud look. In other words, when you overestimate yourself and put down someone else. A proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Number five, 
feet that are swift in running to evil. Number six, a false witness who breathes out lies even under oath. And he who sows discord among his brethren. I tell you that last one is a powerful one and it's a powerful tool the enemy uses within the church, especially as, it, as the church begins to move out and campaign, is the sowing of discord amongst the brethren. I heard a fantastic message by Derek Prince on this and I wish I could get hold of it and, and, and one day I'm going to try and research it and, and, and try and find it again where he, he, he uses the scripture, I think it's in James, about division and what happens when division occurs in the church and what what kind of demonic spirits are actually loosed in a church where, they, where, where division starts to take place? Last week I shared with you and I said to you, why do we insist on using satanic weapons in the church? One of the things that God dislikes is someone who is a sower of discord. Someone who creates division in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is done by speaking that's that's how it initially starts gossiping complaining stirring up turmoil listen to me listen to me very carefully i've said once any personal relationship there will be points of conflict but there are ways and there are ways in dealing with it there's a biblical way in dealing with it and there is a flesh way of dealing with it There is no perfect church. And so there will be areas of conflict. But here is the thing. If you are displeased, you have a biblical means, a biblical pattern on which to express your displeasure. Offer improvements. Pray for it. Use the biblical means to deal with it. Or finally, ask the Lord to find you another home. But never become the source of the vision. That is dangerous. That's where the danger lies. Don't badmouth a man or woman of God. See the person next to you, man of God. See the person next to you, woman of God. Don't badmouth them. If you do so, you are asking for problems. You're asking to get hurt and offended. Now, I'm not talking about you can't disagree with this person. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bad mouthing. I'm talking about the things that God hates. I'm not talking about, you know, you can't never disagree. You've got to walk around, oh, yes, brother, yes, brother. And he's like talking garbage into your head and you're thinking, oh, gee, yes, brother. You know, I'm not talking about that. If you disagree with someone, disagree with someone. If you don't agree with someone, well, and, 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 it, and, and that person's offensive, use the biblical method. I'm going to talk about it now. Let me give you an example out of the scriptures. Acts chapter 23, Paul again, Paul again, all right? <laughs> A lot of turmoil around Paul's life in the church. Let me tell you. So anyway, Paul says, And Paul said, I was not conscious, brethren, that he was a high priest. For the scripture says, You shall not speak ill of a ruler of God. And, he, and that, this comes out of Exodus 22 where it says, Esteem lightly, or you shall not revile God, the judges of his agents, or esteem lightly, or curse the ruler of your people. What happened here is Paul is being hammered by the religious people. The high priest says to someone, 
Go and give him a smack in the face. And this person does. And Paul rebukes the high priest. Speaks badly of the high priest. When Paul realizes, hang on a second, this is actually the high priest, he apologizes to the high priest. Because Paul realizes to go into that position is dangerous for him. You see, what the high priest did to Paul puts the high priest in a dangerous position. But if Paul steps into that position and begins sowing into that position from a negative point of view, he puts himself in a dangerous position. It's so serious when you begin to touch the anointed children of God. It is a serious business. Why is that? Have a look at the person next to you. Right? See them in the corner of eyes. Corner of eyes. Don't, don't, don't let them know you're looking. All right. The Holy Spirit lives in that person. Yeah. Now, imperfect as they may be, and you're probably saying, Amen, brother. They are his representatives. All right? Imperfect as you are, you represent God himself on this earth. Psalm 105, 14. He allowed no one to oppress them for their sake. He rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. If a minister, if a fivefold minister, if a church leader, if a ministry leader, if a disciple, has done you wrong in some way. Do not incriminate yourself by responding in an unbiblical way. Because the minute you do that, you step onto dangerous ground. You begin activating a negative seed. You begin to sow a negative seed into your life. Not that person's life. Into your life. Okay? Don't lash out against them. Don't retaliate with rumors against them. Don't gather people to come in and, and, and hammer them. And please, no anonymous letters. <laughs> Go confront them. Go confront them. Where does this religious hocus-pocus come from where it's like, oh, we can't do that, you know? We just take this mortal wound and like, oh, martyr me, shame, you know? I've taken a wound because this guy's now gone and done something bad to me. Hey, go speak to him. If he's done you wrong in some way, go speak to him in the biblical manner laid out in Matthew chapter 18. You are legally entitled, right, and it's godly to do that. It's not ungodly. It's not unspiritual. You're not being a bad Christian. You're not being someone that's, ooh, you're judgmental. 
If a brother or sister has done you wrong, has done something that is outside the word of God towards you in a harsh manner, or you misunderstand them, or there's a question, go to them. Don't lash out. Do not begin to sow unbiblical seed. Now, if you choose not to go, it's your right. You forgive them and move on. Because if you don't forgive them, the seed that gets dropped in is called the bitter root. And that tree is a poisonous tree to start eating in. Anyway, Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, wrongs you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. All right. Now there are now what I would have done in the as we continued is like in the next one is speaking forthrightly and in truth, is not like walking into the person and just like take your Bible and mash you eighteen and just slam base him on the head and just pound them away and you know because that's rebuking them. That that's reviling them. Remember, there's a difference between revile and rebuke. Go to them normally, calmly, settle yourself. Be at peace with yourself. Don't have these raging eyes and like bloodshot and steam steaming out there. Calm yourself down and then go to them and say, hey, listen, you know, you said this. What did you mean? You did this. Why did you do this? It offended me. If they respond biblically, they will explain themselves. You will settle your dispute in the name of the Lord. Mutually forgive each other. There's a misunderstanding, whatever it is, and you will have gained a brother. You won't lose anyone. The people you lose, well, you should celebrate. <laughs> I promise you, you should celebrate. You won't lose anyone because you won't lose someone that is biblically based. Now, if they will not listen, take one or two others along. So that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Repeat the process. Take some witnesses along. You said this. This is what happened. Bang. Same story. Calmness. No red eyes. No steam coming out your ears. Calmness. In peace. In a biblical attitude. In an attitude of love. You have offended me. This is the issue. We need to resolve the issue. If it is not done then. If they still refuse to listen tell it to the church and if they refuse to listen even to the church treat them as a pagan or a tax collector uh, I, I thought of the ATO people <laughs> shame the poor guy <laughs> imagine applying to work for the tax office shame <laughs> they're not liked you know, treat them like that what happens when you implement this is it kills water cooler gossip. It kills anonymous letter writing. And it also messes up the excuse of taking an offense against someone else. Because if you don't implement this procedure, you forgive the person and treat them as if they haven't sinned against you. Get on with it. You cannot take an offense if you don't implement this. Okay. When a church aligns itself into the purpose of God and begins embarking on a campaign, 
The enemy will first seek to disrupt the campaign by exploiting the internal, interpersonal fault lines of the church. Personalities. Unresolved issues. So be alert. Be aware. Do not allow the enemy to oppose the church as it begins to walk in because he cannot come face on to us. He can't. As we march as one, he cannot face us. Comes around. Jesus says it is dangerous and it will turn out badly for you if you keep kicking against a church that is flowing in the purposes of God, living under God's word. All right? I want you to keep in mind that is a serious thing to bring an accusation against a Christian brother. Um, and you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. I have found that every church I've ever gone in, I've had to teach this. Um, and it's happened here. So I'm going to teach. So this is going to be an out session now. This is, this is a little out session, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing out a, a little thing to say, hey, people, we've got to stop this. This is an out session, so don't get offended with me. I'm not reproaching you. Okay? It is a serious thing to bring an accusation against a brother, and it is a serious thing if you sit by while an accusation is brought against a brother. Now, some of you have listened to accusations against brothers in the church and some of you have listened to accusations against leaders in the church now here is, here is where you've gone wrong you've kept quiet because you might be under the impression that to keep quiet is to do the right thing it's not because while that person is bringing an accusation against a brother, they are using, if it's not justified, if it's not a valid accusation, if it's just pure gossip, malicious talk in the seat of mockers, what is happening with you is you are sitting in a seat of mockers and you are listening to an accusation against a brother that is false. And that brother represents the Holy Spirit on the earth. Now, I told you last week how hurt and offenses occur because of, idol, you know, because of the idol of mateship, when we, be, when, we, when we raise mateship above the Word of God. And so we might sit there with a friend of ours, and the friend might be bad-mouthing someone else. You are at that point in a very, very difficult position. Do I stop my friend? Do I say to my friend, whoa, what is happening here? Do I investigate the situation with my friend and say, where is this coming from? What do you do? A lot of our problem lies at this point where we do not know what we have to do in the situation. And so oftentimes what happens is either... We'll get dragged further into this vortex of talk 
or we try and step away. But what is happening is we are leaving an avenue for the enemy to come in and around while the church is fulfilling the purposes of God. And the reputation of a brother is being hammered. We are in campaign mode. We are in a season of prayer and fasting. We enter our second month. It's now going to intensify. Because now we come on site. And when we come on site, we are now going to say, in the name of Jesus, leave. This territory belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every child that walks in belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And every child that represents a family, that family belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Jesus, with the keys of the kingdom and the authority and power of the name of the Lord, we say go. That's what's happening this month. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against us. And so what they're going to do? Come around. We are in a season of prayer and fasting. We are here to manifest God's purpose into the lives of the lost. We are here to release the prisoners in this community and for us to reach them by the leading of the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit. We are here and that is why I'm reteaching you the series that we can be aware and we can be alert because the enemy cannot fight us directly to our face. Verse 17, if anyone pays attention to them, refusing to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as you, let him be to you as a pagan, as a tax collector. What's the normal response that you've encountered over your church years in this situation? Forgive him. Eh? Isn't that normal response? Big carpet. <laughs> Let's forgive him. And eventually we sweep so much under the carpet, we start tripping up on the carpet. Love him. He didn't mean it. And this is where the religious spirit comes in. With all manner of evil. And when you stand up, you will be accused. How can you do such a thing? Don't you have any love in your heart? I'll tell you something. If I come into someone's life and I rebuke them and they listen, I have gained. A brother for the rest of my life. If I come into a person's life and I rebuke them and they don't listen and they run away, that person takes up an offense and hurt against me, unfortunately, and against you. <laughs> I had a situation that I had to deal with I think a year, year and a half ago family dispute and 
I was trying to deal with it long term because I knew that this guy this guy was oh man if you if you if you had to realize that if you had to think of a religious spirit it was this guy this guy used the word of god to beat his wife down every scripture that you girls hate loathe this one <clears throat> wives be submitted to your husbands Hey, hackles come up there, girls, don't they? Every scripture like that, this guy used to bring bondage onto his wife. And he bound her. I don't want to say scripturally, because that's not the scriptures. That's not the interpretation of those scriptures. He bound her religiously. He bound her sexually. He bound her emotionally and he bound her by physical violence. The first time that we met them as a couple, my wife just went ape. I mean, she just, her discernment is rock on and she just wanted to like. And I'm like, and we, we so what we did, the, the, the way I felt we needed to deal with it because she was as bad as him in certain respects that we had to lead them out gently but it reached a point where she was beginning to manipulate me to try and smash her husband and I was trying to keep her husband from smashing her up and trying to get her to just hang on a second because I need him to learn this I need him to learn this before I can go in and deal with him and eventually it got such a point where her manipulation affected me where I said enough to both of them. Now remember there's a scripture that says, you know, when you're dealing with your pastors, you know, deal with him nicely because it's good for you. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to answer this before the Lord, but I, I feel justified with my answer to this guy. But it reached a point where I said enough. You have manipulated me. You've not listened to me. You've prematurely bringing my dealing with your husband. You, you're trying to make me deal with him prematurely. So I will do so. I said to her, I want you to go and I want you to write a list for me of, of all that he's done. And I said to him, I want you to go and write a list of all that she's done. And then I want you to come and see me. Now, by that time, I am steaming, okay? Red eyes, steam coming out, because I don't like to be handled. I don't like to be manipulated, and I was being handled here. <laughs> so they come and sit down in my lounge, and I take her list, and I put it on the floor, and I take his list, and, he's, and he wants to, you know, he's not flourishing now. He's like, because he's like, he's a He's religious, boy, he was religious. And he brings out his list and got his Bible there and presents me his list. And I snatch the list, list out of his hand. I have an envelope next to me. Fold up his sheet of paper. So he's got about four sheets of A4. She's got about 20 sheets of A4. I fold up, I fold up 
I fold up her, his sheets in, in, into the envelope, slip it in the envelope, seal the envelope, sign it, date the envelope so he can't open the envelope. I thrust it, well, I threw it back at him. <laughs> so he knew it was coming by that stage. And I said, right as of now, I will not be dealing with your issues with your wife until I've dealt with you. And I literally tore strips of him because of his behavior. Not because of what I read in the pattern and what she'd written. I knew what was in that there. I'd not read it, read it, but I knew. And I rebuked him, to put it mildly, forcefully. <laughs> they ran. They've gone. Hurt, offended. Unfortunately, she came right for about five seconds and then she ran back to him and then she came back to me and she said to me, Pastor, please can you have a meeting with this guy so that you know you can apologize to him? And then I, I, I said to her three times in front of Carolyn, I said to her, I want you to tell me in Jesus' name, did you lie to me? I can't answer that question, Pastor. I said, in the name of Jesus, did you lie to me in that, in, the, in that paper that you wrote to me? I cannot answer that, Pastor. I said, in the name of Jesus, three times. Because now she's trying to manipulate me again so that she can go back to this lifestyle. Hurt and offense. Hurt and offense. When a person leaves at that point, when they come back, they come back to that point. Often when the church deals with people, they sort of now think, okay, we'll, we'll slide this under the carpet. Folks, please, if you're dealing with sin, you cannot slide sin under the carpet. There's no carpet big enough. You can only wash it with the blood of Jesus. If he pays no attention to them, refusing to listen and obey, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a pagan and as a tax collector. You've seen me do this in this church. And when this happens, people scream blue murder. Well, the religious spirit does. Remember, most attacks are verbal. Listen to no accusation presented before a judge against an elder unless it is confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. When things are not as they should be in the church, when things are not as they should be in the leadership, when things are not as they should be in the life of a brother or sister of yours in Jesus Christ, then there is an honorable biblical way to go in and deal with these issues and promote a healthy result promote a biblical result to resolve these inequities but there is also an unbiblical and a foolish way and this leads you into opposition to the church and when you become in opposition to the church and you stand against a church that is in the purposes of God you place yourself in a very very dangerous position 
And people like that end up bitter and hurt. What they don't realize is if they are protecting someone in sin, what happens to that person? What happens to that person in sin? What you are doing is you're protecting and entrenching a stronghold. Because let me tell you, if a person has been rebuked by the church, they know what they're doing. Hide in Scripture. Know the Scripture. And know how to use the Scripture. I'm going to finish off now. Let's go back to the law of sowing and reaping. Okay? All right. This is important. This is the most important thing you will take away from today. You are always sowing. Okay? Look at the person next to you. They are always sowing. See them? They are sowing all the time, every single day. Now, here's the important part. You walk in a world where you are bombarded by seeds you sow and seeds other people sow into your life. John 4. Every now, every, every, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped and the benefits of their labor. Now, this doesn't go 100% to what I'm trying to say, but what I'm trying to say to you is that you are sowing in your life and other people are sowing into your life and you are the one that collects the harvest. There's a parable that Jesus talks about, the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, and it's called the parable of the weeds, following the parable of the sower. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in a field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. How often, how often do we associate with people who sow weeds into our life? And then we cultivate the weeds. You know? Put them nicely, nice little rows. Oh, lovely little weeds there. We cultivate them in our lives because we sit with them on a daily basis and they are sowing into our lives. Go and read Psalm 1. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, following their advice following their plans, following their purposes. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand submissively in the way of sinners. Blessed is the man who doesn't sit and relax and rest where the scornful are. Every day, you sow. Every day, your wife sows into you, your husband sows into you, your friends sow into you, your relationships, your, your workmates, everyone is sowing into your life. Remember, I've shared with you the story of the transference of spirits, or the sermon on the transference of spirits. We are constantly being bombarded as much as they are sowing into your life, you are sowing into their life. 
All right? As much as they are sowing into your life, you are sowing into their life. Some of it good, some of it's weeds. Some of you are eating fruit from trees and bushes that were sown decades ago. Years ago, months ago, weeks ago, hours ago, minutes ago. Now this is the most exciting thing you will ever learn in this sermon today. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap it. Alright? Just go and read Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Think of that relationship. Think of the work relationship. Think of the friendship relationship. If you sow to the Spirit, this is what you will reap back. If you sow to the flesh, that's what you'll reap back. If you allow them to sow the flesh into you, you will reap that. But if you stop them and say, whoa, hold on a second, I don't want to have that seed in me, Sow good seed into my life. They will begin to sow good seed into your life. Believe me, after one or two times when you say, whoa, hold on, stop that. I want you to sow good seed in me. They will start to sow good seed. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to finish with this. Okay. Some negative seed that you've sown and you are reaping now. You might have to do the hard thing and go in and deal with that stuff. Okay, you're going to have to deal with that stuff. And there's only one way to begin to deal with that stuff, and that is the way of the Bible. And it begins with one scripture, 1 John 1, 9. Go and read that scripture and begin to deal with these issues. If the seed of the tree that you are eating of that's negative right now has been sown years ago you need to eventually go back to those years and deal with the damage and the hurt of that incident and take out that root and allow Jesus Christ to begin sowing that love in what was that chorus we sang Anna this, the last one that love flowing love love endures that enduring love let him begin to sow it so that that line down there starts to become healthy and make a point, make a point, avoid the hurt, avoid the offense, and begin to sow from the Spirit good seed. God bless you.